Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Welcome you here. I want to say thank you for being a part of our service today. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to show that missions video at the end of our service, if you don't mind. Amen. I'm going to switch over here, Mike. I was going to. I'm going to use this because this it's dead, okay? Doesn't look like it's wanting to work. Praise God. In the Bible, you can find different emphasis of different topics and different subjects. If you want to know about the power of the resurrection, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul beautifully describes the power and the work of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful Jesus is alive this morning, and we're not serving some dead, archaic God. He's alive, and He was moving in the minds and the hearts and the, and the lives of those who were here this morning. If you want to know about love, where do you go? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. The love chapter. This is what love is. Love is patient and love is kind. Love doesn't envy and love doesn't boast. If you want to hear about love, you can read everything you need to know about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But if you want to know about faith, there's a chapter that you would turn to In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11. As I've been praying over the last couple of weeks, as we've been in this missions emphasis over the last few weeks, I hope to God that you have been inspired to be an evangelist, to be a missionary, to be be a person that wins the loss. That's the purpose of the church. But I know that without faith, that message either does not get delivered or it does not get received. You see, there is an incredible importance of faith in our life. And I've been praying and I've asked the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to, to speak about? And over and over again, the last several weeks, He's placed this subject of faith. I believe that some of you are in a crisis of faith in your life. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, I want you to pray or to to speak about faith until I tell you to stop talking about faith. And so you may hear some of the same things for the next few weeks, but I'm telling you one thing. You're going to hear faith preaching. I am a faith. I'm a minister of faith. I'm a preacher of faith. I believe that God still, we can still take him at his word. That when we pray for the sick, the sick shall recover, as the word of God says. That when we pray for God to provide, that he will provide according to his riches and not our own. That the Lord will take care of us in times of distress and in times of trouble. That He will be our shield and our rampart. I believe in faith. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't even please God without faith, so it must be important. In Romans 14, 23, everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Well, absolutely, I want to know what faith is. Romans 12, 3 says, Think of yourself more with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you. Here's the starting point. Every person in this room has a measure of faith that God has already started you with. You don't have to say, Oh, God, give me some faith. You've already been given a measure. But you need to learn how to develop that measure. And I believe that what, that's what God is going to do in our church over the next couple of weeks. We're going to develop a measure of faith that not only will help us to move mountains, but to walk through the mountains or to go over the mountains. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want you to look at it with me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to read it again. I know you've heard this verse over and over and becomes a part of your medulla oblongata that you don't even recognize anymore. It just becomes habit. I want you to think about what the writer says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A few weeks ago, I discussed this passage in our Wednesday night Bible study. And I showed them that faith, this Greek word pistis, means complete trust. Complete confidence in someone or something. Faith requires a mental assent. It requires reasoning. You say, well, pastor, that's not how I've heard faith preached. I've heard faith is you just turn your brain off and you just walk over a dark cliff. That's not faith, friends. Faith is based in the facts. Your faith in God is based on a set of facts. That's what it means to have faith. You have faith because you have based that. You have put total trust and confidence in a set of facts. It is not blind ignorance. Your faith in God is not blind ignorance. People who have faith and people who come to church, Christian believers, you are not believing in something that just has no reason and no rhyme and no, no rationale. You have faith because you have put your trust in a certain set of facts that are absolutely true. Let me give you an example. When Jonathan walked in this morning and he came to the front row, praise God, can I just invite you all to start sitting three rows closer? That's just the pastor talking, all right? That's not in my message, and you don't even have to pay for that one. Let's fill up the front. Let the latecomers fill in the back. We all do that for me? Amen. Okay. I'll move on. When Jonathan came in this morning, he saw him a chair by his lovely wife, Dory. Jonathan came and he sat down in that chair. 
And you look at me and you say, wow, pastor, now that is profound. Thank you for getting me out of bed this morning to come to church so I could hear that Jonathan came and sat down in a chair. What you don't think about, because it's buried in your mind, is what it took for him to sit in that chair was faith. He sat in that chair because he believed in the ability of that chair to hold him up and not plop him on the floor. He believes in the fact that there is gravity. And gravity will cause you to go to the ground. But he also believes in the rigidity of steel and the rigidity of wood. And he knows that that chair has four legs made out of steel, hardened steel or aluminum. And he he knows that there is a piece of wood underneath that covering that he sees. And he knows that that aluminum on the back and there's a wood on the back and those pads, and he also knows that he can rest comfortably. I did not see anybody in this church come in and pick up the chair and look on the bottom of it to see and to check out if it was going to hold you this morning. Why? Because you had faith in the chair. I was at a wedding last night. There's a big guy, he's about 6'6", 300 pounds, easy. Not heavy set. The dude looked like a tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. Big guy. When you go into a wedding, they always have these pretty chairs. You know, it's the ones that, you know, they kind of fold out. They're wooden. You You know what I'm talking about. He came in, and as he came in, and all the family is being seated, I noticed something about this big, huge guy. He went to that chair and he stopped, and Johnny saw this too. He picked up the chair and he turned it over to see the bottom to see if there was a tag on it that would give the weight limit of that chair. And when he was satisfied with the facts, are you with me this morning? when he was satisfied of the facts that this chair proclaims that it will hold him if he will sit down, he set the chair in its place and he sat down, 300 pounds and all. He sat down. Why? Because he had faith that the chair was going to hold him. Friends, listen to me. Your faith in God is built upon a set of facts If you wonder if you have the faith to make it, let me tell you something, friends. You have got a set of facts. Well, where do I get those set of facts, Pastor? Where does that come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. Now faith. Everybody say that with me. Now faith. Say it together. Now faith. Again, now faith. Now faith. The only faith that has any consequence in your life is the faith that you have right now. Now faith. Faith right now. 
That's the only faith that matters in your life right now. Your faith that you had when you were a child in church growing up, or maybe you were, in a, you were a child who never went to church, that faith doesn't matter today. The faith that you, that you may have had when, when you overcame the struggle or whatever in your life in years past that delivered you, let me tell you something. Today, that faith is of no consequence The faith that you had as you experienced maybe a move of God and a revival or or you were a part of a great work of the Lord and the Holy Spirit was moving. You were a part of something great like that maybe in another church or, or a part of this church. You've seen some great things. Let me tell you, that faith is of no consequence today. Because the only the only faith that really matters in your life is now faith. The faith that is now, the faith that is present Because all of those other things and all of those other times, and when you exercised your faith in all of those other instances in those those days past, those things will not carry you through what is happening in your life right now. 1 John 5, verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that he has overcome the world, our faith. You see, here's how God works when it comes to faith. He gives us the faith to overcome in every moment of life. There may have been times in your life when you had less and you had more faith. But God gives us the ability to overcome in every moment of life and to overcome whatever the world or life, the life, life lays before you. You must understand that overcoming faith is the faith that is required to fit the moment. Now, that's, that's important. That's important. You, you have to have the faith that's required to fit the moment. And God knows exactly what that faith is. And He recognizes that. He recognizes that now faith, that the faith that is present in your life as a child of God, as a believer, is the faith that's required to overcome in any moment of your life. Not all of us live, those, live through life without having hardships or challenges or difficulties or struggles. Every person in this room, we have those. We encounter those things. That's what life brings us. But let me tell you something. The overcoming faith is what the faith that you have at that moment for anything. Whether you think it's sufficient or not, that's what I want you to recognize. Whether you believe that your faith is strong enough and sufficient enough or not, Maybe you're praying for that miracle and you say, oh God, I've got to have that sufficient faith. I've got to have enough faith, that overcoming faith to give me this miracle. No, God says you need the faith for the moment. The faith that's required for this moment, not tomorrow, not what I, I will see, not what I'm going to be. The faith for this very moment. Faith is the pathway that we walk in order for the Lord to reveal himself to us in, in new ways. I want to say that again. Faith is the pathway that we walk 
in order for God to reveal himself to us in new ways. I thank God that I don't know the Lord the same way that I knew him when I was seven years old. Can somebody say amen? I thank God that I don't know him the, the, the way that I knew him when I first started out in ministry. I thought that I had the faith at any moment to do whatever I wanted to do. That I could speak to these mountains and they would just be removed at the whim of Scott Matter. But let me tell you something. God said, I want to reveal to you who I am. And sometimes you don't have to remove the mountain. Sometimes I take you over the mountain. And that faith that's required at that moment reveals something new about God to me and to you. God doesn't change. But our understanding of Him does change. And that understanding is provided because of faith. There's a moment in time for all things. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I want you to just go back and read it. I want to read a few verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under, under the heavens. Now, a lot of these we would like to say, Okay, I'll take the first part, but I don't want part B. We like the seasons that we like, and we don't like the seasons we don't like. But the Scripture says that there is a time for every season, which means if there are different seasons in our life, then we must have the faith not for the, for the season of the summer, but we must have the faith for the season of the fall. Are you with me? There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. I told you you wouldn't like the part B. There's a time to plant, a time to uproot. There's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. And he goes on, but look at verse 11. He says this, he has made everything, everybody say that, everything beautiful in its time. No, God, how is that? Because there's only certain things of that list that are beautiful. The other things are not beautiful. And God says they are beautiful in their time. Because you can have faith in the moment. And you will see me in the way that you have never seen me before. That's faith. That's now faith. That's faith that is in the moment. I'm going to take just a few moments. I want to share with you just some of those. I want you to look at verses. Go, go back to Hebrews 11. I want to show you some people who are famous for their now faith. Verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. There are no miracles or extraordinary things recorded about the life of Abel. So you look at this chapter, and most of you know that Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame for faith, for faith walkers, for people of faith. And you say, why is Abel there? What did he do that was so extraordinary? What did he do that was so important? Here's the answer. It's so simple. He offered to God the sacrifice that God required in the moment. Nothing extraordinary, nothing fantastic, 
No fire from heaven. Just an offering, a sacrifice, which means, which, which in the Hebrew there means a surrendering. He surrendered himself. He surrendered his possessions. He said, God, if this is what you want in this moment, then I am willing to give it to you. I will surrender myself to you. Now faith always requires you to make a decision to surrender. That's what now faith requires. If you want to have faith in the moments of your life where things are challenging you, where life presents it, you are, will be forced to make a decision to surrender yourself and your will to His will. That's a tough moment. That's a tough moment. It's a very tough moment. Some of you have lived those moments Some of you have lived those moments when you said, God, we have to have a miracle. God, we've got to have a miracle. And God comes back and he says this, my will or yours. Oh, that's a tough decision, isn't it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's now faith. That's the faith in that moment. And you're saying, oh, God, anything but that. Anything but the first fruits, anything but but the most prime, but Lord God, please. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, faith, let me show you something about me. Will you surrender? Abel, this man of, of, of unextraordinary anything, all he did was he was one of the first people born naturally of woman. That's his big achievement, and he had no choice in that. But he surrendered himself. He made a decision that was required in the moment to surrender. And that took faith. And by faith, he offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. God said, I'm pleased with you. That is a man of faith who will in the moment give the offering that is going to cost him the most. Can I ask you, friends, what decision are you? Lies in front of you. The Lord is saying, my will or yours. It's a decision that we all have to make. It's that now faith. It's in the moment. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. I love it that he pleased God. Let me tell you about the extraordinary life of Enoch. No miracles. No extraordinary events. No high life ministry. No books, no churches, no nothing. We don't have anything about Enoch. Nothing noted of him in the scriptures, in the inspired canon of God. We have nothing of him. Except for this notable translation into heaven. He walked with God by faith. We don't usually think of just walking with God as some big, huge act of faith, do we? What are you doing? Just walking. Come to church and people say, man, what's God done in your life this week? It's a regular week. Just walking. By faith, 
walking? What's happened in your life? Well, there's been a lot of different things that's happened in my life. What supernatural happenings did they did did did, did they were resolved with? Oh, just walk through them. Stayed faithful. Just just did what God wanted me to. Went the direction He wanted to go. He walked with the Lord. He he means that he wherever the Lord said, "Hey, let's go this way." All right, sure, let's go this way. Stop right here, ain't it? Okay. All right, let's go. Let's pick up the pace. Yes, sir. Walking. Wherever God leads, that's where I'm going to go. And however God does it, that's what I'm going to do. Nothing exceptional, nothing extraordinary, but I'm going to walk because I walk by faith. heard one preacher explain his life. He said, you know what? Enoch and the Lord were walking one day, and they were just having a great time together. And the Lord told Enoch, he said, hey, Enoch, you know what? We're closer to my house than we are to yours. He said, why don't you just come to my house and stay the night? So Enoch said, sure, let's go. And when he got there, he realized that there is no night in heaven, so he's still been there. Just walk in with God by faith. Enoch makes it into the hall of fame of faith. Why? Because he had a daily, ordinary, mundane life of faith that could make a turn at any moment. You see, that's the key. Enoch didn't come out one day and say, you know what, today I'm going to get translated to heaven. No, he was just walking just like he did the day before and the day before that. My friends, that is faith because he expected that at any moment, at any time, whatever he wanted, whatever God wanted to do, he could do whatever he, he chose. Let me tell you, you might be walking, you and I, praise God, we might just be walking one day and we're walking through the aisles of Walmart and poof, we're gone because that's what the Word of God says. The Lord could just take us just like Enoch. You may go through another way. You might just be driving down the road and be taken. But by faith, everything he did because he knows He didn't have to do anything remarkable. Exceptional thing about Enoch's faith was that he walked and that he was always ready for any turn. Verse 7. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Peter gives us a little insight into the life of Noah. He said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But if Noah had been evaluated by modern-day ministry standards, he would be an epic failure. And I'll tell you why. He spent 100 years preaching and building an ark, and he had only seven converts in 100 years. And those seven hadn't happened to be family members. A hundred years building a church, building the ark, preaching every day as people mocked, as people laughed, as people went on about their business. A hundred years and seven people fill that ark. I'm so thankful that God doesn't look at things like we do. You see, Noah really 
in the scripture in Hebrews, he's not applauded because he built a boat. That's what we have turned it into, the story. Oh, man, Noah, what great faith to build a boat. No rain. That was part of it. But if you look at the scripture a little bit closer, you'll realize that he was moved by fear to prepare an ark for the saving of his household. He wasn't afraid because of rain. He wasn't motivated because rain was coming. He was motivated because the only way his household could be saved was if they would float with him. He was commended because of the seven people that went on a boat ride, not the boat. And that's what made this man an heir because through his children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, but through Shem, the line of Abraham, the line of Christ, that's how he became the heir. What miracles did Noah work? None. Didn't do any. But what did he see? He saw the succession of his life because of faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place when he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and, and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Here's a man who is the father of faith, right? He's Abraham. He is the most faithful. He is counted faithful. Three times in the scripture he's mentioned as the friend of God. What an incredible man. What, a, what an appropriate man to put in Hebrews chapter 11, yet he performed no miracles. No supernatural events took place through the hand of Abraham. But over and over in Abraham's life, the scripture says that he obeyed and he went. You see, I believe that any person called of God will hear the Lord, he will obey him, and he will go in faith. Pastor, what about the miracle of Isaac? Well, Isaac was never Abraham's idea in the first place. If you look at the story, you'll realize that Isaac was always God's idea. It was God's idea who came to Abraham and said, Hey, I want to give you a child of promise. And as soon as he did, Abraham said, Oh, Lord, I know how to take care of that. Here's my servant. Here's my servant. I tell you what. And then Ishmael came along. And when Ishmael was born, he said, Hey, Lord, here is the child that you said that you would give me. And God says, No, no, no. I'm not talking about the child through your servant Hagar. I'm talking about the child through Sarah. You mean 80-year-old Sarah? Yeah, that's Sarah. Well, God. The Bible says that when Abraham was 100 years old, the child was born, Isaac was born through Sarah. This man of faith, this man who stepped out and said, I don't even know where I'm going. I'm just going to a place where God has called me to. Here was the key about Abraham. He had faith to see a city he couldn't see, but he didn't have faith to see the sun in the moment. Did you hear what I said? 
Here's what I'm telling you. The faith that you have to start your journey may not be the faith that's required in the moment to continue the next stage of your journey. You can't rely on the victories of yesterday. You can't rely upon the faith that you had to move mountains yesterday or the day before or last year or 10 years ago or to bring you through those troubles. You have to have the faith that God wants to give you in the moment right now, right here and right now. What's funny is if you look at the next verse, if you look at verse 11, I don't like the way it's rendered in some other translations, but in the New King James Version, I like what it says. He says, by faith, Sarah herself. He doesn't talk about Abraham. He says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she, got, she judged him faithful who had given the promise. When you get to Isaac, God gives the credit for Isaac to Sarah and not to Abraham. goes on through this chapter and you see in verse 17 how God offered Abraham offered Isaac once again he obeys God does the providing God does all the work you look in verse 20 you see Isaac one verse given to Isaac this son of promise this son whose father is the father of faith this son whose father is named faithful the one who is the friend of God in one verse verse 20 by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come That's it. That's all he got. By faith. In the hall of faith because he blessed him. Verse 21. Then Jacob comes along. And I love what God includes in this chapter. He says, by faith, Jacob, verse 21. He was dying, blessed each of his sons, Joseph, and he worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Wow. I want you to notice the unusual things that God included in the life of Jacob. And in this chapter, exceptional, extraordinary, profound things. Not really. (laughs) Jacob, all the things that he had done, we know that what he did, wrestled with God, saw the stairway of heaven. But what does he include in this chapter? That leaning on the top of his staff, he blessed his children. Pretty mundane, pretty ordinary, isn't it? I close with this. Daniel, if you come back, you and Regina. If you look through these verses from chapter, from verse 4 all the way through verse 21, you're going to notice some things. It says, by faith, these things came to be on an everyday basis, in the moment. Things that weren't extraordinary, things that weren't done with with this supernatural spectacularity. It was just things that were taking place in the moment. That's the kind of faith that we have to have on a daily basis. Let me just just give you some instruction here. In order for you to understand who God is, you have to walk that faith out in an ordinary way every day. Because God is the God of miracles. God is also the God of the mundane. And if you only know Him as the God of miracles, you will fail in the days of mundane. And how many can you raise your hand and say, most of my life is just ordinary and mundane? It's just regular days. I'll just tell you, 
I don't really want a miracle in my life. I know some of you are getting a little uneasy. You're like, oh, I thought we were a spirit-filled church. We believe in it. We just had prayer. I don't want a miracle in my life. Because you know what the first requirement of a miracle is? Everything has to be out of hand. For example, the lady in our church, she came up to me. It's been years ago. She came up. She said, Pastor, God has healed me from cancer. I was like, praise God. She's telling the story, talking about how she had shared the, shared the Lord with all the other doctors and, and people. And she's probably watching right now. God's healed her from cancer. It's all over her body. Stage four, completely healed from cancer. And as she's talking about it, her husband starts chiming in. They're talking about the healing from cancer before he got excited. I was excited. We were all talking about it. But let me just ask you something. How many of you want God to start practicing medicine on you? Because you've got cancer. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. And I rejoice with them. I've heard businessmen talk about, oh, man, I had my business going. And then everything collapsed. The economy went south. I lost my business. I lost my house. I lost my car. Lost everything I had. Filed for bankruptcy. But here I am today. God has brought me back. He has given me a new business. I've got a house and a car. Praise God. But how many of you want to go through what that businessman went through? Who's standing in line to lose their job and their house and their car? Who wants that miracle? Anybody? Because God is a God of miracles and He's a God of the mundane. Here's the wonderful thing. And I heard one preacher, he was talking about this. He said, There's never been a time of miracles. And as he said that, he kind of let me stew on it, and I was thinking, I'm fixing to throat punch this guy because he has no faith. He said, let me, let me clarify that for you, Pastor. He said, there's never been a time of miracles, but there's always been a God of miracles. There's always been a God of miracles. Here's the wonderful part, church. As you're living your mundane, ordinary, regular life, as you're just coming to church or you're going to work or you're going to school or you're traveling up and down the road, you're just living the regular life, walking in faith, giving God, surrendering to God, doing what He's called you to do, just living your regular life. Let me tell you something. If you happen to need a miracle and you run into that roadblock or you run into a mountain or you run into a wall that absolutely stops your progress, God says, I am the God of miracles. Have faith in this moment that the facts are true that I can heal you if you need healing that I can provide for you if you need provision that I will walk with you and when you're afraid and fearful don't be afraid because I the Lord God am with you those are the things that we need to remember in the moment of faith we can have that faith that's required he's a God of miracles but he's a God of the mundane and we need our faith in both. If you don't, it produces a Christian who's always looking for the man of faith. There's been times when 
Men of faith have come through the Metroplex. And a third of the church is gone because they got to go watch the man of faith work some kind of miracle. Then they suddenly come back to their regular life. And they're like, man, always living for the hope that that miracle would take place. Because here's the deal. We always love to rejoice to watch the miracles in somebody else's life, but we don't want to have to live them in our own. Come on, can I get an amen for that? Oh, praise God for your miracle. I hope I don't have to go through that. Now faith. Now faith. I want you to bow your heads. I know it's. I went over. I'm not apologizing for that because I just want you to bow your head right now. In this moment, I don't want anybody to move around. I want you to just let your... Let your hands find find peace. Don't be fidgeting or anything like that. Here's a very important moment of, of this day, the most important time of the day. Some of you are at the crisis of faith, and it seems very mundane and very ordinary. You may not need that miracle, and nor do you want to have to have that miracle, but you can see as you walk down the road that there is a crisis that's occurring. Maybe it's a decision that you have to make. And God's not going to make that decision for you. Maybe there is something you have to lay down, set aside. Maybe your crisis of faith involves your household, your family. God's saying you got to have that now faith, the faith in this moment. A faith that's built upon the facts of the Word of God that says this, that He will never leave you nor forsake you, that He will be with you, that He will not leave you. That faith right there that I just described is as powerful as the faith that Elijah had to speak fire down from heaven. The faith to know that the Lord is with me today. Whether something incredible happens in my life or not, God, you have been with me and you will be for me. That is now faith. pray with you today before we go. I just want to pray for you. There's some of you in that moment of crisis of faith. I want you to raise your hand and I'm just going to pray a prayer today over your life. Raise your hand. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I want you to raise your hand. Yes. Yes, gentlemen. Yes. 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 Just raise your hand. You're in that moment. You're in that crisis of faith. There's something in your life that is going to require faith for you to move to the next level and you're going to have to have your faith is going to have to be matured in order for you to see the victory to be overcoming to overcome like what we said it's our faith is what helps us overcome and you need a new level of faith God's going to give you that faith for the moment and now faith it may be mundane but it will sustain you it will give you victory today in Jesus name I want to 
auditorium to stand. Would everybody stand with me? Those of you who raised your hand, would you just close your eyes? If you didn't raise your hand, I want you to close your eyes as well. I just want you to, if you raised your hand, would you just lift your hand to the Lord like you just did before? You're not signifying anything to me anymore. You're just lifting your hand to Jesus and you're saying, Lord, I need faith in my life. He's the giver of faith. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for you are a God who never fails. You're a God who never leaves us behind, Lord, even when we're slower than you think that we ought to be moving. God, you are the God who cares about even the most detailed parts of our life. You know the sparrows that fall. You know the hairs on our head that are numbered according to you, Lord. You understand us from the inside all the way to the outside. You are the God who cares for us. Lord, in these moments, that every, every one of these individuals, Lord, with their hands raised, Lord, as they walk this life, whether mundane things, Lord God, or supernatural miracles that need to take place, God, the faith that is required in the moment, God, I pray that you would give them that faith. If there are those, Lord, who have wavered back and forth, they've been unstable, Lord God. They've had doubts, Lord, creep into their mind. Father, I pray that your spirit would begin to overwhelm them, Lord. That you would overwhelm the doubts with the facts of the Word of God. For you have never failed, Lord. You will not fail. Lord, over and over again, you have proven in your word through the stories, not just of the Old Testament saints or the New Testament disciples, but stories of people that surround those that are in this room right now of miracles and faithfulness. Lord God, we give you, Lord, full reign over our lives, Lord, to let our faith, Lord, be adequate for the moment that we stand in. For those that are dealing with health issues, give them the faith to stand firm. And Lord, wherever wherever they are, Lord, healed or, or, or they go about, Lord God, with a limp as Jacob did when he encountered God. Father, give them faith to continue to walk out their journey, Lord, with you. Father, for provision, give them faith to know that, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, in every way, show us who you are. Reveal yourself to us, Lord God, and give us faith. Let us not waver. We don't chase your hand of miracles, Lord. We chase you. We chase you. We don't love you, Lord, because of what you can do for us. We love you because of who you are. And Lord, that is our prayer, that Lord, that you would help us to have faith in you. Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. I leave you with this. One man once said, faith is when we trust God, but faithfulness, being full of faith, is when God can trust us. There's a difference. Be the person God can trust. Be faithful to Him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he give you strength. May he give you a fearless heart to walk into the dens of lions and to give you victory. May he season your conversation with the gospel. May you be salt and light to the world around you. May your feet always leave peace in its wake. And may the truth of God always be victory over you. In the name of Jesus Christ, go in peace. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.